listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 615, NFL Week 2 Predictions. Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? Yeah, things are going pretty well. Weather has finally, I know I seem to comment on it almost every time, but the weather has finally returned, returned to like a, a normal September level of heat. So <laughs> things, nice. life has become much more manageable. What about you? Oh, do you want to hear about the weather or just my life or what do you <laughs> well you live in a desert so i'm less interested in the weather i guess actually the weather is coming out really nice now it's like 90s and sunny perfect weather pool is still nice and warm i've been in it once this year i was having a conversation about your lack of pool usage the, uh, the other day because we were speaking to a friend of mine about the fact that you have a pool and how envious we, we were of the fact that you had one as we were like living through the heat wave. But I also and had then, air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, which I said I'm more envious of. But I would take one or the other. Like I would even a pool. I would have, you know, I would have taken no air conditioning in a pool in that in those circumstances. A pool said, in your well, apartment would look pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> but I see he said, uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, Frank never goes in the pool. It's a, a couple times a year max. It's not a not something yeah. he really takes advantage of. It'll still be open during Breeders' Cup in November. <laughs> okay, well, maybe I'll hop in then, just so just to give it some use. Thank you. I appreciate. We can that. We, can, we can have a race. I still clean it like every day. <laughs> It's a passion project. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess since we last recorded, not too much sport to discuss for the most part. Obviously, last night, Thursday night football, the Eagles, kind of a weird game. Felt like they were always in control, but then there were moments when the Vikings could have got back into the game. And I don't know whether to feel like the six-point loss flatters the Vikings or if the Eagles actually didn't look that good. I kind of feel both. Well, about halfway through the game, right before the Eagles took like that two touchdown lead when it was still really close, in the back of my mind, I started remembering last year when we went through the Eagles schedule and how easy it was and how they were, you know, running running the table and I was insistent that they were not that good of a team and that they were just playing really shitty teams that were making them look good and that they could beat good teams. But I didn't think they were a top three team in the NFL. Now that was slightly proved wrong by the fact that they made it to the Super Bowl and almost won, but it got back into me a little bit where I started to think, you know, we're just writing this team off as they're going to be first or second, in the NFC, blah, blah, blah. But they played a lot of shit teams last year and their record was flattered by it. Are we kind of seeing the same thing again? Because this Vikings team, if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot, then pick their foot back up, try and put it back on, and then reshoot <laughs> themselves in the foot in the process, probably should have won that game. I mean, there was a stretch where they had, I think it was pick, fumble, pick, fumble, or something like that. It was crazy. Yeah, and although they did get bailed out a little bit right uh, at the end when they had another fumble that was, they were saved by a, a penalty, by a flag. Yeah. So, it, but you're right. And look, when you look at the Eagles' schedule 
going ahead, they play the Buccaneers next week. I got to assume that's a win. Then they play the Commanders. Got to assume that's a win. Yep. Then they play the got to, then they play the Rams. Got to assume that's a win. Then they play the Jets, which again, unless something drastic changes yeah. in the quarterback, it's not position to the end them. of the year. They have a brutal like end of year schedule. I think it's Cowboys, and I think it's like Chiefs, well, Niners, so, Cowboys, something like that. So, yeah. So October twenty third, they play the Dolphins. Tough game. Yeah. Then November 5th, so two weeks later, they play the Cowboys. Then the subsequent week, they play the Chiefs. Then the next week, they play the Bills. Then the next week, they play the Niners. Then the next week, they play the Cowboys. And then yeah, there we if go. you, yeah. And then if you were being even a little generous, you'd say then they, then the following week, they play the Seahawks, which maybe the Seahawks have kind of righted themselves by then. And that's still a, a challenging game. And then they play the Giants. So, you know, that could be a really tough, that could be a run where if they come out of it with three wins, you'd almost say that's not terrible, but they need, so they do need to be like five, six and zero oh to start the season off if they want to end up probably on a, as a 11, 12 win team. Yeah. But I mean, I, I did start to get a little bit of that same feeling of last year when everyone thought the Eagles were simply unbeatable. And when you looked back at their schedule, they were playing teams that had like two wins. So I'm not sold watching that game that this is the best team in the NFC. No. I mean, yeah, it's so hard to judge two weeks into the season or one week for most teams, right? But, but no, if we were I had Bill a... Simmons, we could definitely do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually we... I had the rare chance today where I listened to him and had to hear him say, they weren't as good as, as we thought they were. And that's that's what I said. It's like, it's one week. How can you make that assumption? Yeah. And also, how can you both say they weren't as good as they thought we were? And that's what I said, if you see what I mean, like, even those, even those two sentences are kind of diametrically opposed. But yeah, no, it's, uh, he's, he's a big overreaction guy. And the thing, well, to make himself look good, he's an overreaction, make himself look good. And he also forgets when he's incorrectly overreacted. (laughs) So the takes that do not age well, I mean, this is a guy who was adamant the Pittsburgh Steelers would beat the San Francisco 49ers. Like this was a a week ago, he was, oh no, I think this is a great matchup for them. And I don't understand why the line is what it is. The the Steelers are good. Are the San Francisco 49ers all that good? Who knows? And then no more talk of that, really. That's just like, let's forget about that. Because now his thing was, you know, maybe the the Niners, I thought they were a good team, but maybe they're even better than I thought they were. So that loss by the Steelers doesn't actually look that bad. And they could still be a good team. (laughs) It's like, really? (laughs) <laughs> but yeah but no it was a decent thursday night football game at least it wasn't a blowout but it wasn't it wasn't a classic that's for sure no i mean the one thing you can say is justin jefferson is is also at that same level of tyree kill i mean they're they've clearly separated themselves as the two best receivers in the league i think there's a handful of receivers who probably be upset by being left out of that list but i don't think so I think DK Metcalf <laughs> might be DK Metcalf. He's still in the league. I heard his name in four years. <laughs> I think he might be a little bit upset by that, but yeah, it's uh, no, he's impressive to watch. And that's the shame for the Vikings is they actually have quite a few very talented players and they, they, they look like they will have wasted, especially then you don't even have to go that long ago. Right. They also had digs. If they'd been yeah. more competitive in that time period, they would have been able to hold on to him. So they could have had a very good team without much changing on their on their end. Did you see the stat 
uh, speaking of useless stats, that Justin Jefferson at age 24 now has more career receiving yards with the Vikings than any Bears receiver in the history of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's useless, but it's interesting. But yeah, it's kind of stupid, especially as we years. talk about we talk about it all the time, right? How just you can't compare. But still, he's what, three years? And he already has yeah. more than any. You have to imagine there are Bears players that have played for significant chunks of time. No, it's true. It's crazy. It is true. For the record, I had the Vikings with the spread. I did bet it. Well, the, I mean, <laughs> I this is the tough. I have my bet MGM receipt to prove it. <laughs> well, this is a tough thing, though, right? Because the spread ended up being six. I had six and a half. Right. So plus then you it. lost. <laughs> so then you lost. No, I took the Vikings plus six and a half. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought, okay. okay. But yeah, it ended up in most places being six by around kickoff time. I don't know at what point exactly it made that switch, but which I honestly, I don't think should be almost allowed. Like, I think you should always have a half point. They could just, they could completely remove the possibilities of a push. And I don't know why they put themselves in a situation where it lands on a, on a whole number. I don't really get it. <laughs> Maybe we need to have a, a Vegas insider come in and tell us the importance of the the, the especially in the, especially in the modern era where you can just do an adjusted spread and take away that anyway like if you can be bothered to put in that extra 15 seconds of effort and either go to six and a half or five and a half i don't you think if you were them just you know slightly change the odds and have the default be the the half point anyway before we do our weekly nfl predictions then are there any other sports stories that we should touch on no i mean pretty like you said, not very eventful. Um, we do have the you know weekly Deion Sanders update that's going to keep happening every week. Uh, this one was the Colorado State coach, you know that the powerhouse that is the Colorado State Rams. They, uh, their head coach came out and said, "When I talk to grownups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me." And then Deion's response to that a few days later was. I'm a grown man. Don't tell me what I'm supposed to wear and what I don't supposed to wear, please. <laughs> Dog's like a grown man for sure. I mean, I don't really care what a college coach wears, but I do think there is an element of maybe kind of dressing up a little bit for the job. I don't think we need to go back to the old days of people being in suit and ties on the sidelines, but... I mean, Bill Belichick wears a, a sleeveless, cutoff, hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, tr but I don't know. I can kind of, I can land on either side there. Like it, to to the point where I don't think it's worth even commenting on. You know, whichever <laughs> opinion you have. But I can at least kind of get where where he is. You know, the opinion. But it's the persona. But That's the act. Like. I know, you but know also the act, like, but he's, he's, this is the other thing too. He, part of the act, the part that bothers me is him pretending he's upset at what other, someone else says, but really going into each week, he wants some, the other head coach yeah. to say something. So, and then we have to pretend that he's insulted by the fact that the guys commented on him wearing a hat, but 
deep down, he's delighted that that gives him another four hours to speak about a game that really no one cares about outside of Colorado. I don't think most people in Colorado even care. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) All right. Other than Deion Sanders, what do we have? Obviously, we covered already the midweek football. Premier League comes back. Uh, Not the most exciting slate of games, has to be said. But no major talking points really from from sport outside away from american football it seems yeah no pretty uh pretty much well ingrained into the nfl season which is nice to see well on that note should we kick off our week 2 nfl selections let's do it obviously so we're giving you how do we account for this in the this the weekly do we just do we just void yesterday's game from the we can void it from the selections we can void it i did have it but we can void it well then let's we'll kick things off with a pretty good game on sunday ravens bengals where the bengals are are three point favorites i guess i'll say i'm going to trust the bengals in this one that they just just because part of me feels like i can't see them losing their opening two games although I think they did that last season, but there's not a lot of reason to be that confident in them based on what we saw in the opening week. Like this is a game that I think the Ravens should feel is very winnable, but I'll give the Bengals one chance to sort of prove that they are, that there aren't, there isn't a sort of major issue there. So I will take the Bengals to win and the Bengals to cover the three points. Yeah. I think, you know, just let that first week go. Burrow hadn't played. It was raining. Weather was terrible. You know what I? You know how I feel about weather games. They are not good predictors of how a team actually is. Uh, so well, technically, re- not to not to rip on you here, Frank. Technically, all games are weather games. <laughs> this is bad weather f- games. This falls into hey, the he has can a just say hamstring. Yeah, he has a theory. hamstring. Yeah, I could just say weather games. Uh, Burrow three out of four against the Ravens. And the Ravens have a bunch of injuries from that week one. So J.K. Dobbins out for the year, which really sucks. I really like J.K. Dobbins. I thought he was a really good back at Ohio State, and he consistently keeps getting hurt now. Um, and then I think one of their safeties is out, and then two of their O-linemen are out too. And and the, the Bengals' defense didn't play that terrible against the Browns. Again, it's tough to tell because it was a pretty crappy you know, weather type game. So who knows if that was the defense or the weather, but either way, I think the Bengals will bounce back here against a kind of slightly depleted Ravens team who's still trying to find their stride. All right. And then next we have the, the bears and the, at the Buccaneers, Buccaneers, two and a half point favorites. I guess, again, this would be week two, week three games. It always comes with a great degree of caution, right? To not overreact to what we've seen in week one. The Bears looked particularly bad against the Packers. The Buccaneers were surprisingly good in their opening week one game. Baker looked, as we spoke about on the last episode, like the, the almost the best version of Baker. I'm going to take the Buccaneers to win and to cover, but I, this I could very easily find myself changing my mind by Sunday, but I'll, I'll stick with stick with the Buccaneers for this one. Yeah, I think you have to go, Bucks. Just if I know, you, I agree with you. Don't overreact, but 
starting the season, I didn't think the Bears were very good. They lit up 38 to the Packers. So their defense is not looking particularly good. And then you look at the Bucks defense. Maybe the Bucks offense isn't great, but the Bucks D held the Vikings to 17. It's better than the Eagles did on Thursday, you know? So if they can hold the Vikings to 17, I think they can they can shut down the Bears pretty well. And if they can score 20 points, they'll win this game. So I'll go with the Bucks to win in the cover. And then up next, we have the Packers at the Falcons, and the Falcons are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Oh, I like the Packers here. Um, Jordan Love, three TD passes, and then you look at the other side, Ritter, he threw 18 passes total, so they're not going to rely on him to throw. But this is a game looking, you know, the week before, the Packers are ready to score points, and the Falcons are going to have to keep up, and I don't think Ritter will be able to keep up with with Jordan Love. So I think the Packers have a better defense, better offense. I think the Packers will win this. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the Packers to win and to cover, and for much the same reasons as you did. That you know, the Falcons only had 29 passing yards in the first three quarters of that game last week. So it's one of those where if the fourth quarter had gone differently, our assessment of the Falcons might be a little bit different. So I actually think the Packers were pretty impressive and this might be one of the last weeks. It's one of those topics we like to talk about sometimes, right? About how different will this spread look six, seven, eight weeks down the line. And I think this is one of those games where if we could fast forward to week 10 and put that game, then I feel like the Packers are likely favorites for it based on, you know, what I expect will happen over the, over the coming weeks. Then we have the Colts. Well, I guess this is, I get to do it pretty early here, but we have the game that I do not want to see a single second of coming up. Which is the Colts at the Texans. Just a terrible, terrible game. And the Texans are one point favorites. And I'll be honest, I'm just because I think these are two awful teams. I'm just going to take the slight underdog as I don't <laughs> I don't really know how to separate them. I, again, we don't really have a big enough sample size of to look back on and, and really judge. So I will just take the Colts with it. I wish it were slightly more than a point because obviously that's unlikely to really come into play. But I'll take the Colts plus one and the Colts to win. I'm going to take the Colts here. I think Anthony Richardson looked a little better than CJ Stroud. I, not... Not better in the sense that I think talent-wise he's better, but that the game plan they have for him looked better where they you know, didn't ask too much, easy throws, easy reads, and let him run the ball a lot, which is what his strength is. Whereas C.J. Stroud, they kind of just threw him into like a full offense and he kind of struggled at times. So I'm going to go with the Colts winning this on the fact that I think Richardson right now is fitting better into the system they're providing. And then one of the more intriguing games of the week up next, where we have the Chiefs against the Jags, and the Chiefs are three-point favorites. This is, do you believe in the Chiefs having a bounce-back performance after a disappointing opening night loss? Travis Kelsey will be is expected to play, so that might solve some of their offensive woes, and it will certainly allow them to kind of run uh, you know, a game plan that's more similar to what we have come to know from the Chiefs. At the same time, 
The Jags certainly offensively looked pretty good in week one. Defensively didn't look great, which in a sense, I'm going to bet on the Chiefs bouncing back just because historically Mahomes does not lose you know, multiple games in a row very often. If ever, I'd be interested to see, like look back through his career, how many times he's lost in back-to-back weeks. So I'll take the Chiefs to win and to cover. But my concern is the sense is this might be kind of a bad matchup for them in that the, yes, they might be able to score points more easily, but then the Jags might be able to move the ball pretty efficiently against them. And whilst Mahomes has thrived in shootouts in the past, Without having quite so many weapons around him, I'm not sure if the, you know, if it's 30-28 with a couple minutes to go, I would feel less confident in the Chiefs than I would have done in seasons past. But just on the basis, it's one of my rules, right? A good team after a loss. And so the Chiefs to win and to cover. I think this game is not going to be very close. I do think the Jags are a good team. and I think they're a playoff team. But I think right now the Jags are walking in to an 0-1 Chiefs team that now feels like they have something to prove. Like we always talk about when a Super Bowl team says they've got a chip on their shoulder. This is them them putting a fake chip on their shoulder that they're 0-1 and everyone's already doubting them that they're not going to be as good as they were. And they're going to come in extra rest, played on a Thursday night, so they have a few extra days of rest, which is going to help already. You have Chris Jones back, and I think that's another one where he's going to have that chip on his shoulder saying, you know, look at week one. We couldn't win because I wasn't out there. Now that I signed this contract, watch me have three sacks and and disrupt Trevor Lawrence. So I think the combo of them getting Jones back, getting Kelsey, it sounds like he'll be back. I'm sure he's not going to be 100%, but he'll be back. The extra rest and the fact that, not that it's a must-win game, but I think they want to go out and prove that they're still a high caliber team. I think they're going to beat them by double digits here. And I think that's going to be unflattering for the Jaguars who in a normal situation will probably play them better. All right. And then up next we have the chargers at the Titans. The chargers are three point favorites. This is a tough one in the sense because the Chargers' offense looked really good in week one. Their defense didn't look so great. And, I mean, their offense looked good until it really absolutely had to look good on that final drive, and then it looked terrible, the classic Justin Herbert experience. But I still think this Titan team is Titans team is competitive, but not by any stretch of the imagination good. And the fact that the frequency with which they turned the ball over last week means that I can't see them scoring the sort of 28, 30, 30 plus points that they'll need probably to beat a Chargers team. At the same time, they could have easily won that game last week. But I will pick, I'll pick as much as it pains me to say, because some part of me would love to see Justin Herbert get off to an 0-2 start. I will pick the Chargers to, to win and to cover. You know... I'm getting a little sick of hearing about Herbert not being good in the fourth quarter. He, in 50 games, he already has 10 fourth quarter comebacks and 13 game-winning drive uh, to win it. So this whole narrative that people are painting, if you want to give me the playoff bit, you can give me the playoff bit, but don't give me that he's not a good fourth quarter or game-winning drive because he already has 10 fourth quarter comebacks, which puts him... 19th on the all-time list where did i say he wasn't a good fourth quarter 
quarterback. I'm going to say another fourth I'll, quarter where he couldn't come through. He literally no, said no, that. <laughs> no. I said the Chargers, the Justin Herbert experience of of being good until he really needed to be good. And I'm telling I'll, you, that's, that's false. <laughs> let me flip it on you. You 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 held it against Brock Purdy, whereas he hadn't proven himself with comebacks really because he's too good, so he doesn't get himself into that situation. <laughs> Justin Herbert, not good enough. So, yeah, he needs all these fourth-quarter comebacks because he just can't put a game to bed ever. You know, this is a guy who, you know, how are you racking up that many fourth-quarter comebacks in, this, in such a short career? Well, you're doing it by, you know, turning winnable games into close games. It's that simple. So, so Tom Brady has the record of fourth-quarter comebacks. So you're saying Tom Brady is not a good QB, until the fourth no. quarter, is that what? Did, let me spin that on you, then, Eddie. No. So what you're saying is, if he was good enough, if Tom Brady was really good enough QB, he wouldn't need 46 fourth quarter comebacks. No, when a we'd have to really break it down and see who did you have those fourth quarter comebacks against. Tom Brady on his fourth quarter comeback list would include some very good teams, a, a number of playoff games, and some Super Bowls in there. So I think I view, view those differently than Justin Herbert's like week four comeback against you know the Oakland Raiders a couple of years ago or whatever it is you're going to list off. So that's going to be... I know, have not, them, but I'm not going to say them. Because <laughs> they don't help you. Because <laughs> you've just seen they do not help you. But that's the thing. Not all, not, not all fourth quarter comebacks are created equal. Okay. Um, so they met last year uh, and... The Chargers won 17-14 on a fourth quarter comeback by Justin Herbert, by the way. Whoa, wow. A, tight, a comeback against the Titans where he had to put three scores together over the course of the game? That's impressive. Yeah. He also had two interceptions that game. So, yeah, this is a, this is a close one. I mean, neither of those teams has really changed that much. So I kind of expect a similar game. Uh, I just think that the Chargers maybe have gotten slightly better uh, than the Titans have. So I'm going to take the Chargers to cover, but that it, it's close enough that it scares me. I think that's a big enough spread that it makes me nervous, but I'll take the Chargers to win, let's say, by four. <laughs> wow. That's that's really threading, <laughs> threading the needle there in terms of the confidence. All right. Then up next, we have the Raiders at the Bills. The Bills are eight and a half point favorites. They are the second, third, second biggest favorite of the week. Uh, they're the biggest favorite of the sort of early slate of games by a considerable margin. Again, this comes into that territory of, you know, expecting a team to bounce back. The Bills, after such a disappointing performance against the Jets on Monday night, especially once Aaron Rodgers had gone out, and especially in that second half when they only managed to get a late field goal to put, put the, push the game to overtime. I don't know if my good team after a loss rule really applies here because I'm not, I'm not totally confident how good this Bills team is at the moment. So I will take the Bills to win. I will take them to cover. And that's just because I think this is, you know, this is more of a vote of no confidence in the Raiders, even though they looked better than expected in week one. I just think their sort of true colors will come out over the course of the next few weeks. And yeah, I don't trust them at all. So I'll take the bills to bounce back in week two. Yeah. It's this one I think is solely on the bills. The Raiders are who we think they are. 
<laughs> they're a mediocre team. Do you want do you want the drop? <laughs> it's okay. You can save it for something else. <laughs> save it for the next one. But I mean they're a mediocre team that will score points, but their defense isn't great. They have, they have Max Crosby, but other than that, they're they don't rush very well. I think they said I read somewhere that they allowed Russell Wilson like the third or fourth most time in the pocket in week one. So as long as Josh Allen can take that time in the pocket and just hit a normal pass and check down if he has to and not try and be the freaking hero in week two against the Raiders and throw 70-yard balls into triple coverage for no reason, I think they'll win this easily. It's a big – is it eight and a half, you said? Eight and a half, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. I'll go with the Bills to fully bounce back, but I wouldn't be surprised if if Josh Allen tries to do too much again and makes this closer than it has to be. I think the Bills definitely win, but there's there's a chance that Josh Allen tries to press again too much and makes this closer. I'll take them to cover, though. All right. And then we've got the last of the early games the seahawks at the lions two and the lions are four and a half point favorites this to, feels to me almost like two kind of similar teams playing each, against each other teams that people love to tell you are underrated underappreciated way better than the general population thinks which always confuses me because i feel like more people are telling you how good they are and that not enough people believe in them than there are people t- than there are people telling you that they're actually not that good. Like I, I, like every every bit of coverage about the Lions is being like, well, people are sleeping on the Lions, you know. Like every, no matter what you hear people say, they're actually a really good team. And I've never every expert I've yet, predicted them for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the is not. I've yet to hear a single person say, I don't think the Lions are all that good. And the Seahawks are also kind of in the same category. So yeah. This is a tough one in a sense because I don't think the Seahawks are necessarily as bad as their week one performance might have made it seem in their loss to the Rams. And I also don't think that the Lions were all that impressive in their win over the Chiefs. And I think that mostly was both obviously through the Chiefs not being at their best, but also through, you know, the bounce the ball kind of going the the Lions way. I mean, you can... I know you can do this in almost any NFL game, but it's not that hard to imagine if that ball doesn't bounce out of Tony's hands into a, you know, a corner back run, rushing towards the end zone. And that turns into a pick six, any score from the chiefs on that drive probably kills the game. So it is kind of one of those weird ones where I think they kind of got all of the luck that they needed just, and they were only just barely able to win that game. So that makes it tough for me in a sense to know which way to fall. The line is closing. It has to say, it has to be said, I think I'm going to take, I think I'm going to take the lions to win, but the chiefs, uh, the chiefs, the Seahawks plus four and a half. I'm going to go Seahawks, Seahawks here. Uh, I'm going to go with the public. 72% of the bets going for the road underdog here. So that's obviously with the points. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think I do think both of these teams are playoff teams. I think the Lions hype is a little flattered last week by being a little lucky. I think that couple with the Seahawks needing to come in here and win a game so they're not down 0-2 to start the season and that they're not down 0-2 looking poor. 
you know, if they play again like they did last week, that's going to really crush this team. So I expect a big game, a big comeback game from them and Geno Smith. I'll take the Seahawks to win in the cover. All right. And then moving on to the afternoon slate of games or evening, depending on where you are. Kick things off with the Giants at the Cardinals. The Giants are four-point favorites. Cardinals were feistier, I guess, than most people expected them to be in week one. They were the sort of consensus pick for everyone's survivor, top of the confidence picks, one of the bigger underdogs of the week, and came pretty close to pulling off the upset. That being said, I still think they're pretty terrible. And this Giants team, which looked awful, not even managing to score a point against the Cowboys, I think this is the sort of perfect, uh, you know, anecdote to make things look a little bit better for them. Almost a must-win game, in a sense, as stupid as that sounds to say in week two. But if they're 0-2, having had an embarrassing week one loss, and then also losing to arguably the worst team in the league, things are not going to look very good in New York. So I'll take the Giants to win and to cover, and probably pretty emphatically. Like, this is one of those games where if things had gone differently in week one, the Giants would be, what, seven, eight, nine-point favorites without that much changing, even if they had lost week one, but in certain in sort of better circumstances. So, yeah, I think the Giants win this one comfortably. Eddie, it's not a stupid thing to say, because this is a must-win game for the Giants. <laughs> Being a Giants fan and knowing that, that fan base, as well as that team, if they go down 0-2, with a 40 nothing blowout and a loss to the worst team in the NFL, things are not going to be looking good in New York. So, you know, I, I remember looking at the schedule and saying, like, oh, week two against the Cards, that could be like a trap game. Like, you know, like maybe they beat the Cowboys or they play them close and they come in here and, and you know, they could get caught. Now it's not a trap game. Now it's a must-win game. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I think they're the better team. I think week one – just snowballed on them really, really quickly. I mean, the first drive, they were looking good, and then shit just hit the fan and and continued to hit the fan for the next 40, 45 minutes. So, uh, yeah, I, I think maybe that was a wake-up call they needed. I think they'll come out of this comfortably with a eight, nine-point win and then kind of right the ship and forget about week one and leave it behind them. So I'll take Giants and Giants. All right, up next we have the uh, San Francisco 49ers at the Rams. The 49ers are seven and a half point favorites. I'll be quick on this one. I know the Rams, again, one of those teams that falls into the category of better than expected in the first week, but they are outclassed in pretty much every area in this game. Like It's difficult to see where they have any sort of real advantage. So I expect the Niners to take care of business to win this one and, and to cover the spread. Yeah, last year, Niners beat the Rams combined score of 55 to 23. If anything, I think the Niners got better, and I think the Rams have gotten worse. <laughs> I don't expect anything different here. Uh, McVay is outmatched. The offense is, uh, is out, outclassed. Defense is better. I think the Niners will win comfortably here. This is, a, this is a step back into reality for the Los Angeles Rams right here. Yeah, I mean, Shanahan's always fared pretty well against the against the Rams, aside from a couple of, well, the NFC uh, championship game being 
kind of stand out for a disappointment in that respect. But yeah, it's typically been a team where it feels like he has the advantage, even in seasons when the Rams were, were the better team. Yeah, and then we've got, speaking about teams in a little bit of turmoil, we have the Jets, the Cowboys, the Jets, nine-point underdogs as things stand. It's been kind of fluctuating between eight and ten at different moments in time, but currently right on nine. Cowboys looked so good in that opening that Sunday night football performance against the Giants. The Jets defensively looked good against the Bills, but then the big issue now is is Wilson at quarterback and the impact that it will have on their offensive output. I just think that this Cowboys team can kind of mow teams down as we saw against the Giants. And I don't think as good as a lot of the skilled positions are for the for the Jets that now with Wilson at quarterback that they're in a position to keep up with a team that can consistently score points on most drives. So I will take the Cowboys to win and the Cowboys to cover. God help Zach Wilson this week against Micah Parsons because he is going to absolutely destroy him in this game. I am quite nervous for Zach Wilson here. And I'm quite nervous for the Jets, who I don't know if they have a third-string QB right now. Um, they're going to have to bring someone up from the practice squad, obviously. But uh, it's it could be a rough day for the Jets, and I expect another double-digit win by the Cowboys here. So I'll take the Cowboys to win and to cover. And then rounding off... I mean, another, this game was close for me in terms of the game I didn't want to see a minute of, although it's harder to not see a minute of games when it's part of the, the later set of games, just because red zone is guaranteed to make me watch at least some of this, which is the commanders at the Broncos. The Broncos are three and a half point favorites. Commanders better than expected last week. The Broncos worse than expected last week. And a strong part of me wants to lean towards this just being the same Broncos that we saw last year, in which case they lose this game. But I'm not willing to do that just yet, so I will take the Broncos to win and the Broncos to cover, but this is the last week where I give them even the smallest benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I have no desire to watch this either. I I was thinking about this. How quickly has Russell Wilson fallen that two years ago he was – you know, one of the faces of the NFL. And now it's come to a point where we're talking about a game that I wouldn't even want to watch a snap of. (laughs) That is a quick drop. Yeah. No, it's a pretty... And the thing is, it isn't... I guess in a sense, it isn't really that quick of a drop. Like, it's not unprecedented because it's just an aging quarterback who's losing some of his skills. It's just that when compared with some other quarterbacks from around his generation who managed to maintain that high level of performance into their late thirties or in the case of Tom Brady into his forties, it looks really bad, but this is just what, you know, 20 years ago, this is what the end of a quarterback's career normally looked like. It just doesn't feel like we see this very often anymore. Yeah. I, I'll take the Broncos here to win and, and with the spread, but I have no confidence in either of these teams. Or either of these quarterbacks, to be honest. So I guess I'm just going to go with Sean Payton being the better coach. (laughs) That's not the worst reason. And then Sunday Night Football, we have the Dolphins at the Patriots. And the Dolphins are three-point favorites. 
Oh, I am all over the Dolphins on this. Do not be fooled by the Patriots just because there's a hooded sweatshirt sleeveless man coaching them. Do not get do not get tricked. They still have Mac Jones. They don't have that great of an offense. Their defense is good, but they're not going to be good enough to hold the Dolphins to nearly enough points that they can score. So the Dolphins will simply outscore the Patriots, and they the Patriots just can't keep up. Um, and we can hear what we want to hear about how Belichick can shut down great people. I think Tyreek Hill is going to go off for 150 yards in this game too. Good luck, Belichick, you loser. Okay, that seems unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree with you. I don't. You, I think this Patriots team is better than you think they are, but that's because of the confidence I have in them defensively. And I do think that they'll slow the, the Dolphins down compared with what the Chargers did them, to them last week. But again, I don't think they'll be able to slow them down enough to really be able to stay in this game. So I don't think this is going to be a complete blowout. But yeah, I'll take the Dolphins to win and the Dolphins to cover. And I probably will be saying that pretty much every week until Tua has a, a concussion issue and is out. I know that's the big question hanging over this Dolphins team. But until that moment happens, which it feels some sadly somewhat inevitable, until that happens... They are clearly one of the better teams in the NFL. And then Monday night, we have a pretty uninspiring. Well, we've got two Monday night games. I forgot. The first of which is I don't really love these double Monday night games. <laughs> what, what's, what's better than one shitty Monday night game? Two shitty two sh- Monday night games. Uh, you can talk me or into the, the Brown second. Steelers. Yeah, that's always, they usually serve up a pretty good game. The thing that bothers me about this is that the kickoffs are only separated by an hour. And I just don't understand why you wouldn't separate it by more so yeah. that you get, you feel like you get more football. But in reality, it's just like a slightly early Monday night football game that then turns into a really long Monday night football game. And if the first game is any good, you then have to choose to not watch the first half of the second game, which doesn't really make sense to me. But up first, then, the less inspiring of the two matchups, the Saints at the Panthers, where the Saints are three-point favorites. I don't think either of these teams are particularly good, but the Panthers did look quite bad last week. So I will just trust that the Saints are the better of the two and take the Saints to win and the Saints to cover. But two pretty mediocre teams at best, so it wouldn't it wouldn't really surprise me if the Panthers were able to pull pull off a win, but... Their offense really looked pretty terrible week one. So I, it's hard to imagine why that would improve significantly going into week two. Yeah, it's, this is almost another one I don't really care to watch. <laughs> what's what's the attraction here, Derek Carr? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a rookie quarterback, I guess. You know, you can always talk yourselves into that a little bit early on, that you you know there's something to see there. But no, in reality... There's nothing. I mean, the only thing that will make me watch the first half of this is just because it's going to be Monday uh, night and earlier. <laughs> yeah. But if this if you stuck this in the Sunday slate of games, there's no way I watch any of this. Which is pretty impressive actually from the NFL to have basically delivered three entirely unwatchable games in week two. Yeah. I mean Bryce Young looked Pretty bad against Atlanta. This is a tougher defense, definitely a tougher secondary. I don't expect him to fare any better. And there's, you know, 
a lot of the Saints didn't look very good. They didn't score very much. Kind of flattered by the fact that they had the ball in the red zone to end the game and just knelt, kneel, you know, did like a victory formation. So you put in at least a field goal there, and that it's a little more convincing win. Maybe put a touchdown in, and then it's a a much more convincing win. So I think the Saints will win this pretty easily. And to wrap things up, I actually think this is a decent game. Browns at the Steelers. Browns are two and a half point favorites, which this is interesting because this line, I think this is like a five point swing in this line compared to if this had been played in the opening week. You know, if this, if we hadn't seen the, the, the Niners really um, beat the, the Steelers convincingly and the Browns beat the Bengals convincingly, I think this is a, at least Steelers two and a half point favorites at home. So I'm cautious because of that degree of overreaction. But at the same time, I do just feel that the Browns are a much better team than the Steelers team. So I'll take this, the Browns to win and to cover, but I'm not sure that they should necessarily be road favorites in a divisional matchup against a team that I actually think kind of matches up with them reasonably well, certainly much better than the Bengals did. Yeah, I think for me, I, I think well, I think the reason why you're seeing this change is the Steelers just got crushed last week with injuries. So Cameron Hayward is out, Deontay Johnson is out, uh, Okorafor, their starting right tackles out, and then I think their starting left guard or right guard is also potentially out with concussion. So they've lost four starters in week one, which isn't good. And especially when you hear offensive line. And you see Miles Garrett on the other side, and he switched to an offensive line where Miles Garrett can can target that and expose them is going to be a mess. So, I think the Browns will win this pretty convincingly. I think Kenny Pickett's going to be running for his life a little bit and is going to make some poor throws. There's going to be some picks, some turnovers. So, I think the Browns will win this. Although I I'm still worried about Deshaun Watson, but uh, I think the Browns defense will take care of the Steelers pretty well. And that then brings us on to our bet of the week. I'm going to throw up a little bit of a classic for me. Uh, a four-team money line accumulator or parlay, depending on where you're from. And it's going to be a relatively simple one. So I'm going to take the Bills to win, the Niners to win, the Cowboys to win. And then just to boost those odds slightly, seeing as those are three of the heaviest favorites of the week, also the Dolphins to win. Should... I think at least mean you're live going into Sunday night football with a kind of a nice little odds boost almost on the Dolphins to beat the Patriots. Yeah, I'm going to go with a three team against the spread. So I'm going to go. Oops, sorry. I'm going to go with the. Dolphins minus three, the Chiefs minus three, and I'm going to go with the Browns minus two and a half. So it'll give you a little bit of a full two days. I'm also I'm tempted to put the Packers in. I, I just don't, I don't trust the Falcons, but I don't know enough. You know, like two of those teams, they're a little iffy. But I think I think the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Browns are all. Really good teams playing teams that are going to be uh, up against it this week. 
All right. Well, we'll see if we can both have back-to-back bets of the week winners. I guess that pretty much wraps up sport for the week. Are there any non-sporting topics that you'd like to cover? No, not not particularly. Um, Hasn't been much going on, really. I have to say the the the, um, the NFL memes so far have been pretty good. I, I keep sending them to you. There was a lot of good ones I sent to you in the past few days. Um, but I, I've enjoyed, I think it's like literally like NFL IG memes puts out some good ones uh, that I've, I've been laughing at that I wish we'll start sharing them. I want to start sharing them on our Instagram account because I think they're hilarious. But. They yeah, really exposed the Mitch McConnell, like, like frozen thing. Anytime, like, like a defense is just killing a quarterback, they just throw up the Mitch McConnell uh, video. It's so funny. It gets me every time. This is it's this is the political story that you've taken the most interest in in all the time that I've known you. You've multiple times mentioned Mitch McConnell freezing, and I don't think there's ever been a moment where you really mentioned anything from the world of politics on multiple occasions. I mean, it's not really politics. It's just that like <laughs> it blows my mind that you watch a person who like physically just can't speak for moments at a cliff and you're just like this guy should be making big time decisions for a country <laughs> hey he's, he's giving himself time to think you know we need to admire that <laughs> all right well i guess on that note in a sense that pretty much wraps it up all right well, i guess i'll talk to you later see ya see ya